You are listening to Hospitality Talks, a podcast about all things hospitality through discussions with industry leaders around the globe. Here are your hosts, Abid Butt and Sam Eric Rutman. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, it is terrific to be back with you on Hospitality Talks. In the hospitality industry, customer service has always been uh, name of the game. Uh, the challenges, of course, uh, is in controlling costs while keeping the customer service very high and delivering to the customer expectations. For hoteliers who want to maximize their revenues and return on investments, controlling costs is always top of mind. Measuring cost efficiency provides useful information on the performance of hotels to management and all stakeholders. The industry has always relied on uh, occupancy percentage, rev par, margin percentage as traditional measures to evaluate the hotel performance. Uh, today, our panelists will help us understand, are these measures still relevant? And what else needs to be done or looked at to uh, complete the picture of performance for hotels? I'm Abed Butt, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Sam Eric Rutman. Sam. Thank you. And from my side also, happy holidays to everyone. Uh, if you are viewing for the first time, just and you like the content and our discussion, just press subscribe and uh, and the notification bell, and you will be then notified duly whenever we are going live. But also, uh, if you are for enjoying the discussion and you will have a comment, uh, there you please write in the comment, and I will screen them here. So if you have a particular questions to one of our guests, that uh, we can uh, then forward that question to them to answer. So. In this way, we'll have a, a livelier discussion. So it's not only up to Abid and myself to ask our guests questions, but more importantly, we would like you to be part of this conversation. So if it's all right, uh, let's bring the, the guests to, our, to the screen. Uh, terrific. Uh, so Sam, today we are uh, uh, pleased to have James join us. He is partner and head of asset management team with Ohana Real Estate Investors. With 20 years of hotel operations and asset management experience, holding leadership roles in, in multiple prestigious hotel companies and brands, he's responsible for the operations of all Ohana investments, maintaining and enhancing the performance through strategic planning and execution. We also have with us David Eisen, who is Director of Hotel Intelligence for America's working with Hotstats. Uh, Hotstats, as everybody knows, has a lot of data regarding hotel performance. And I believe David eats, sleeps, uh, uh, devours these stats in his daily routine, uh, looking at global trends as well as uh, as to how the monthly performance and and uh, benchmarking to the comp sets, that's sort of uh, what hot sets provide. So they have a wealth of information with the global presence. So we look forward to finding out from David about the trends. David has been involved in the industry from for a very long time and has always had a broader vantage point through his involvement in the industry. David, James, welcome to Hospitality Talks. Well, I would say thank you for having us. What a fantastic uh, introduction. I like that, devour the data. I'm ravenous, <laughs> the data, I guess I could <laughs> yeah, say, right? Yeah. Fantastic introduction, Abbott and Sam. Thank you for having us. Uh, absolutely, yeah, David, I've known you for a while, so I, I thought I could say that. So, uh, if it's okay, we will start with you uh, to, to understand what trends are there in the industry, David. So talk a little bit about the overall industry performance, some, some few uh, key takeaways as to what 2021 has been like or any trends that you are noticing. 
Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you again for for having me on. Happy holidays to everyone. I got to. It's nice to put on a sports coat uh, for for once and not just uh, come to the office or in, in, to my kitchen in, in sweatpants and sweatshirt. So it's nice to actually put on um, adult clothing uh, once again. So you're right. I mean, listen. I think everyone at this point understands kind of the um, the uh, I guess call it deleterious impact. Uh, obviously, the pandemic, uh, COVID nineteen. Um, has had on on the hospitality industry as a whole globally. Uh, we've seen uh, Redpar, we've seen Treadpar been severely uh, weakened in the wake of the pandemic. Um, it, and it's had, again, has had this uh, gigantic impact on the hospitality industry. And I think as, as we see it, what we're seeing is that now with uh, new strains such as Omicron, uh, although we are hearing uh, that it might not be as, um, uh, 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 I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, as, as bad as, as Delta. Um, obviously it's spooked markets, it's caused uh, travel, some travel bans um, right at the kind of, uh, right when it came out. Um, and obviously these new testing procedures. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is that anytime there's any kind of restrictions or mandates, uh, anything that makes travel harder, it's always bad for hotels, right? So um, I, I think it still remains to be seen, but obviously, um, I, I think we're, 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 we're done with the new strains. Uh, obviously, we want to get everything back to as, as normal as, as quickly as possible. Um, you know, since uh, we've seen a rapid uptick in occupancy from the beginning of the year, obviously through the summer, uh, hitting its apex in July, we've seen kind of occupancy in the U.S. Um, has more or less flatlined uh, since since the kind of summer. Obviously, and as James, I'm sure can can. Uh, speak to this this whole recovery obviously be, has been le leisure led leisure uh, I come from a, we're, we're a European based company so now everyone has to be saying leisure instead of leisure so it's been leisure kind of um, it's been leisure led um, uh, but obviously we'll see if that can be kind of sustained I don't I don't obviously leisure travel can't sustain uh, the, the hospitality business for years and years to come we, we need to see that pick up in commercial um, business. We obviously, uh, the corporate, the corporate piece, um, has been off and it's going to take some time for that to come back. Um, but you know, really what it's meant from a, from a, from a, from a data standpoint, um, is that revenue pretty much across the board has been around 30% off, uh, versus 2019. We've obviously looked to benchmark, um, using 2019 as our baseline since 2020 was such an anomaly. Um, Hey, you know, 2021 is obviously an anomaly. Uh, too. We've never seen anything uh, like this before. When you take, you know, you could take 9-11, the GFC, put it all together, and there's nothing that's been as um, impactful in a detrimental way than, than what's happened with this pandemic. But, but, you know, that's what we're seeing from a, from a, from a revenue standpoint. And I, I think we'll get into more of it. I wanted to keep kind of my opening kind of short, but obviously there, there's an expense, expense kind of um, a piece to all this, which I think, the, you know, the, the good thing we're seeing is that um, – well, a good thing is that it's kind of a review of, of cost management. To me, I think COVID-19 is actually, I wrote about this for, for a piece for, uh, for a magazine, how um, I don't think the hotel industry has ever had such an opportunity. This is a great opportunity for the hospitality industry in general to kind of recalibrate, reassess, um, kind of uh, remanage those expenses. And what, what we've seen so far is that despite revenue obviously being, down across the board, although there are pockets that have done better actually than 2019 levels, which I guess we can, we can get into more. But we've seen that expense side, obviously from the, the labor perspective uh, uh, down um, and from a kind of from, from a total expense management. Um, I do worry that as demand does pick back up, we will see those expenses um, kind of slide back up. We are already seeing that trend line move up. But um, yeah, I think there's a great opportunity for the hospitality in general to kind of reassess and Recalibrate. Well, David, thank you for the, for that uh, uh, overall picture. Uh, obviously, revenue is the name of the game, and and we have come a long ways from the deep dark dungeons of, at the beginning of this pandemic, where a lot of the hotels uh, were essentially boarded up. Uh, yeah. So things are starting to pick up now. The the expense side of it, if we may spend a little bit of time on that. Uh, obviously, when when the Hotels had no business going there because the markets were shut down. Uh, you yep. couldn't, even if you wanted to, you couldn't have anybody there. Hotels had to do whatever they did to survive. A lot of people 
were furloughed at that time. Some of those people have come back. A lot of the services were discontinued. Some of those services have come back. Tell us a little bit about the trends as to what are you seeing from a labor cost perspective since that continues to be one of the most significant uh, expense items in, in any hotel. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's the most um, uh, significant expense in a hotel. You know, what, what more fifty percent of your kind of overall cost is is labor. I mean, listen, it, it, it's it's interesting. I, I'm I'm based in downtown Washington D.C., and it, uh, we still see kind of the. It's almost still a ghost town. Um, and it's interesting. I, I was looking at kind of the percentage of the number of downtown trips. I, it, when you see it, like D.C., San Francisco, New York you know, this, this data is out there. It's so far down year, year over year uh, that a lot of these major cities, the top MSAs, we're just still not seeing the foot traffic. And I think there's obviously a, a correlation to the hospitality um, industry. Offices are still, uh, it's interesting. I look across the street, there's an AC hotel right across the street from, I, I work at a WeWork. There's more lights on there in those rooms during the day than there is next to the office building next to it. So, so that that kind of gives you a, an idea of what's going on in the office and what that kind of correlation is. But you know, overall, the U.S. cost base uh, it remains stunted, and obviously, uh, that starts with payroll. We've seen um, October, you know, 2021 numbers versus October 2019 labor is still down. Total payroll uh, on a per available room basis is still down around 37 percent. You take obviously looking at 21 versus 2019. Um, and obviously labor is still the single greatest threat uh, uh, to the opportunity, um, you know, beyond field beds, um, uh, beyond getting back to meetings, beyond uh, uh, filling restaurants, filling convention spaces, uh, labor is still the biggest, the biggest difficulty. Um, you know, I, 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 I did a little bit of uh, research before, before coming on to the show to show that I can actually, um, uh, you know, still Google pretty well, but we're looking at some uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics data, and obviously, you know, average hourly wages have gained considerably um, since um, uh, 2019, um, particularly in the leisure, the leisure and hospitality segment. Um, and preliminary data points to hourly wage all employees. So we're looking at in November 2021, uh, average um, for this is for all employees. The average hourly wage in the leisure and hospitality space is around $19. It was $16 back in 2019 and $17 in, in 2020 in November. So we're seeing a kind of uptick in the hour in the kind of the out from an hourly wage standpoint. And we're seeing that because it's so much, there's this labor crunch. It's so much more difficult to actually bring labor into the hotel. Um, but there's such a weird kind of dichotomy going on. It's very oxymoronic because you see that there's so many job openings in the hotel uh, a segment, um, uh, but we still hear of this kind of labor crunch. So it's still hard to get people to, to, to fill these positions. I think there were about 1.5 million job openings as of September of this year within just the hospitality industry. Um, and that was 60% more than at the same time in 2019. So there's obviously this big mismatch um, at the moment to the jobs available and the workers um, wanting to come back and work. You know, obviously business owners, small business owners, hotels complain that they can't find enough wor workers. But when they do, that pay is rising so rapidly. Um, uh, but but it's I, I, to your point, Abbott, about customer service. It's it's having a huge impact on, on I think on the on the overall guest experience. I know, you know, I went out to a dinner with my wife over the summer at a at a nice restaurant right on the water, but they had sections that they couldn't even staff, so they were taking tables out of inventory out basically, so we couldn't sit there. So that's a a that's a revenue loss because they literally have no one enough staff to kind of um, uh, uh, to, to staff it. Um, it, it it's, uh, I, I, I read this line, from the White House to the local Waffle House is a struggle to understand really what's going on. And there's this kind of whole idea about this whole, the great resignation or the great reassessment. I think job openings obviously are outnumbering job seekers, but obviously people are, are there's this kind of shift that people are like, I'm not going to come back. I think there's still worry over, over you know, obviously when you're working from, uh, Working at a hotel, a hotel uh, is not a is not a remote kind of place to work. You can't work at a hotel from your couch, right, or your kitchen table. Yep. Yep. On the front line, so there's kind of mismatch what's going on. So obviously, labor's you know the biggest uh, uh, I think obviously hurdle for for hotels right now, Fair particularly enough. as demand comes back, and we see that. So 
Um, yeah, Labor's obviously a, and, and James can give anecdotally. He'll, he'll have the he'll, he'll see he sees them, I'm sure right in his hotels every day. So, David, have you guys been able to draw some sort of a correlation or or impact, if you would? Obviously, in mature markets, uh, the wages are going up, whether we like it or dislike it. Uh, in some cases, I think it was uh, needed for the industry. Have you seen yeah. the impact of productivity gains versus wage increases as to Net net, what does that uh, uh, result in? Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure about that, but I would say I just think the whole entire um, labor kind of situation is is, is put, been put on its head. When you look at, you know, what's going to happen with housekeeping? We've seen obviously housekeeping payroll um, is down because um, I, I think there are, are less hours for for housekeepers in general. Um, and I think you know we're seeing things from again from the customer service standpoint where you know your your room isn't going to be clean. The expectation used to be, and it was just kind of taken for granted that your room it didn't matter if it's a luxury hotel, a full service hotel, a you know mid scale select service hotel, your hotel room would be clean on a daily basis. That's not the expectation anymore. Well, I, I don't know if it's the it wasn't the expectation right when the pandemic happened, right? I think people were like, hey, don't even come into my room. I, I don't want anyone anyone in there, you know. But I think as we kind of move past uh, through the pandemic and move past this, we're seeing, you know, maybe there is that expectation for daily cleanings. But I think the hotels in general, from a cost standpoint, are like, you know, your 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 room might be clean um, maybe every every third day or maybe only on, you know, check out and check in. Um, so I think it just gets back um, to kind of this guest expectation uh, versus what the hotels can actually provide for the guests because of this kind of late labor situation um, and the kind of this entire kind of recalibration of it all. Okay. I don't well, know if that okay. answers your question, I'll, but I, that, that, that's something that I've observed. Fair enough. I, I, I think that might be a, a good correlation because, to be honest, I've had lots of these conversations where uh, because of all the changes in amenities and services that were provided, and, and yeah. because of customer expectations, the margins were pretty healthy. Now, some of those margins are going to get taken away as the wages go up or as some of the services right. are brought back in. So that'll be that'll be a, a good analysis to have. But I'll turn it over to Sam in a second. But before I do that, are there are there any similarities that you've seen looking at from global? Uh, a cost perspective, whether it's Americas uh, compared to Europe, Europe, uh, uh, Asia, Middle East, are you seeing any similarities uh, uh, about the cost containment or cost creep for that matter? Yeah, I think it's been pretty similar uh, uh, globally. I think obviously if you go back to 2020, if you remember, recall in March was really when the uh, proverbial, um, I, I can't cuss on the hair, cuffs on the air, but the, you know, what hit the fan, um, you know, when we saw that kind of breakdown there, but we saw, you know, we saw Asia Pacific drop off first, obviously, because everything, and it kind of moved west from there, but they came back quicker, faster, but we saw, you know, in Europe, they had the, the lockdown. So it was a real struggle there. I'll say this, listen, I, I was looking at data for October in, uh, in the UAE. So if you look at a place like Dubai, I think this is a, Obviously, this is a great story globally, but you know they're they're um, and this is obviously something that's event driven. So in Dubai, they just started um, in October the uh, World Expo 2020. They saw and that's like a 182 day event um, that was postponed, obviously from 2020. You know, it's 21 World Expo 2020. Go figure. Um, but we they saw a huge pop in occupancy in October, and it and it translated into higher higher revenues. But the interesting thing it point is that their revenues were up in the month, their expenses were still down, right? So their, their, their total, you know, their labor costs were still, were still stunted. And when you have that nice kind of mix of, of revenue and expense, their, their, their gross operating profit on a per available basis, GOPAR, which we call it an industry, obviously, was up 5% in October 2021 versus the same time in October 2019. So I think from a from a global standpoint, the trends are very similar. I mean, obviously, there's still it's still a difficult operating environment. I mean, we looked at data. If you look at the data, generally speaking, you've seen it from the forecasters. 
Um, from a from a revenue standpoint, it can take when there's a huge kind of um, crises like this, it can take as much as four to get back to to, to that kind of revenue standpoint from Fair the pre, you know pre pandemic. And on a profit scale, it can take as many years. Now I'm a little bit more bullish. Um, I, I I think we'll get back. Better. It just I hopefully you know you know it, it's the proverbial. This was the kind of proverbial black swan event that everyone talks about but hopes to sidestep. But obviously, it, it didn't happen that way. Um, it, it just remains to be seen how quickly kind of, you know, the big conferences get back, corporate travelers get back on the road, what their, if their companies, what yep, the kind yep. of dynamic is yep. there, remote working. You know, I, listen, these Zoom calls are great, even, you know, well, I, I've been to a few conferences. There's nothing better than getting uh, being to face. I mean, Funny thing, I was watching. Um, it was funny to watch a Zoom con- a Zoom meeting between President Biden and President Putin in Russia, and how uh, if you watched it, how wooden it was. It's so like you can't have a relationship, you know, through a screen, and, and particularly when two global powers are talking. You know, I'm obviously I'm not uh, uh, President Biden, but and, and speaking with you guys, and you guys obviously <laughs> Putin. But you know what I mean? To have that face to face, that tete a tete. Through a screen, it just doesn't translate. Even looking at it now, I'm, I'm, I have this kind of like uh, uh, I, I'm speaking, but my mouth is moving at a different kind of uh, you know point. It's just it, it doesn't translate, as you know. Basically. Well, look, you're absolutely correct. I mean, technology has bridged a lot of things, but it's not going to be able to replace the the personal contact. Uh, that's never yeah. what how business is conducted or has been at least. Now, some of that will change over a period of time because we've all gotten used to uh, living in screens and in this uh, uh, yeah. cyber world, but I, I don't think it's going to be completely replaced. David, let me let me turn it over to Sam, and I'll be back with you in a moment. Sam. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, David, I'm, uh, you talked about uh, hotels need to recalibrate, and uh, I thought I have seen somewhere about, perhaps it's your article or someone else's article from Hot Stats who wrote about... Uh, some best practices. There was kind of a list of things that uh, hoteliers is good for them to kind of look into. Uh, I hope I don't cut you off guard, but could you share maybe some of your, uh, maybe something from that list or, or some pointers that you recommend hoteliers to, to look at? Yeah, Sam, I wish you had shared that article with me prior to getting on there. No, <laughs> um, listen, I, I, I w- I, I don't want to put a plug in for our company, but overall, and I will just say, listen, I work for a benchmarking company, right? Um, obviously, there's a lot of benchmarking uh, data companies out there. But I, w- I would just say in general that, that having a clear – there's never been better data for the industry as a whole, right? From a revenue side, from an expense side, from a profitability slide. I mean, looking at flow through, looking at flex. I mean, you have all this data in front of you. I think consulting data is very important as we come through this. Um, to really be able to see, okay, here is my cost base versus uh, vis-a-vis my competition. I mean, to know what that, to have the, that data in your hands and be able to make kind of um, uh, decisions um, in real time, I think there's nothing better than that. We, we talk about data being kind of like a, being your GPS in your car. Um, when you get in your car, you put in the inputs. I'm trying to get from A to B. How do I get there? Well, data benchmarking basically is your GPS right there. Now, you know, generally speaking, I think obviously any um, any management, uh, a third-party management company operator worth its salt is obviously going to be very focused on on. Experience. I think I think one of the things that maybe in the past I think a lot of operators and I think obviously the, and this is kind of uh, you know being a legacy that, you know, a lot of um, operators are incentivized on just the top line, you know, growing revenue, growing rooms revenue, really focus on, on that only. I think that more and more now owners are holding their management company's feet to the fire and say, okay, you're doing, you might be doing great on the, on the revenue side, but what about the expense side, right? How are you wrangling your food cost of sales? Um, are you, you know, one of the things is obviously is going back to your, your vendors and maybe kind of, um, renegotiating, um, uh, your, your pricing on whether it's from cleaning supplies, whether it's your, you know, linens, your smallware, 
um, your betting, whatever it, whatever it is, it's really looking, really kind of putting a clear focus on those costs. I think there's an opportunity to obviously we're still kind of at the latter uh, tail end of budgeting season, but you know some companies getting back to zero based budgeting, uh, things like that. I think there's just really putting a microscope to every kind of line item to see, okay, here's where I am vis-a-vis last year. How can I improve on this? Because at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at things when we look at we talk about things like flows is how your your incremental gains in in um, uh, in profit versus your incremental gains in revenue over over your period of time. Basically, how much money is flowing down to the bottom line. So if I have a, a dollar and end up with fifty cents on the bottom line, I mean, there's obviously the dollar goes through all these expenses and at the end of the day the owner is, is the last one getting paid out and you know we one of my uh, 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 refrains has always been red part doesn't pay the rent right so I, I think it's really being just focusing on your um, focusing really on your costs and re- really kind of digging into every single line to see how you how you can improve um, broadly speaking yeah great um, you have talked also about the hotel revenue is not created equal equally and, yeah. and uh, perhaps you can uh, Share uh, your views on this uh, about the RevPAR and net RevPAR yeah, for viewers. That's a great question. Um, hey, net RevPAR, right? I think I was at a, a, an event uh, a few months ago, and one of the things they really were, were pushing was this idea of all revenue not being created equal. And I think it's a great, it's a great line. It's true. Um, re- all revenue is not created equal. So you have, um, when you, I think one of the, uh, the KPIs that I think a lot of, uh, hoteliers should be really be focused on is net rep par, which is um, uh, rooms revenue net of cost of sales. So obviously there's all these commissions, group commissions, fees, reservations, expenses. You know, we've always talked about the online travel agencies and what they bring uh, to the table. Obviously they do bring uh, a wealth of, of bookings of, of, of marketing of your, of your hotel, but there's a huge kind of cost to that can be as much as, you know, 20%. So, you know, if you're selling a room for a hundred dollars and you're only seeing $80 of that, well, maybe from a revenue management um, uh, perspective, you need to, to revisit that. Now I will say overall, so I think net red part is very, is a very important KPI. The one interesting point about a, a kind of trend or pandemic that we didn't see after 11, we didn't see after the GSD, that hoteliers, I think, have really stuck to their guns and held rate as opposed to uh, the heavy kind of discounting you saw in the in crises of the past. Um, and what that does is, um, you know, there's a study I pointed to that Cornell put out years ago, but it still holds true that obviously Redpar is 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 better is a uh, ADR well is better led by ADR basically. So you, it, it's almost uh, better to sacrifice occupancy uh, to keep that uh, rate higher because obviously, as you know, the, the more you discount, the more you lower your rate, the harder it is to get back to that rate, you know, longer, the longer the tail is on that. So I think one of the, the interesting parts about uh, w- what happened um, during this time around is that hoteliers, um, revenue managers, I think, made the right decision. And regardless of the situation or predicament, um, they really, uh, I think, position their hotels from an ADR standpoint much better than they did in years past. But um, yes, net red par, big focus on that and looking at your, your cost um, uh, when you're selling that room because obviously there's not just the reservation, not just the, the, the cost, the distribution cost, but obviously servicing the room. I mean, there's so many costs that come into play just for that selling that room for $100. Now, and when James comes on, he sells his rooms for you know, five hundred dollars plus a night, even more, right? For those great resorts that he has, so we can talk talk to that. But it's interesting to see that kind of from a rate standpoint. I think hoteliers have done much better this time around in terms of saying, okay, well, and that's the thing though. In a pandemic, it doesn't matter how much a room costs. It costs ten dollars. It costs a hundred dollars. No one's traveling if they don't feel safe or you're, they're worried about that. So right. it made no sense at all to, to to discount this time around. Great, terrific. Thank you very much, David. And over back to you, Abit. Uh, David, one last question before we bring James up. Uh, it, it, you know, the operating departments, it, it, they've always been able to fluctuate the cost points. Some of the, the things that are typically uh, beyond the hotel's direct control, whether it is real estate taxes or insurances yeah. or utility costs, 
Have you seen anything relative to that? Are they going up? They're going down. A lot of the jurisdictions have no yeah. money, so you can be guaranteed that they're going to try to bump up the real estate taxes. Any thoughts on that? So I, w- I would say that our data, so Hotstats, we, um, our, our data, we have a, a wealth of data, 500 KPIs, but all the way down to, down to GOP. So we don't go beyond the GOP line. So um, I, I can't speak to, to, to much of that. More, more data is more operationally kind of focused. Um, but like you bring up a good point, things like utilities, um, obviously there's a variable cost to that. But, you know, ex- those expenses from utilities are obviously, they're lower than they were pre-pandemic. But I think from an expense standpoint, I think the thing to, to recognize is, is that these costs are down year over year now. But if you look at any of the trend lines I see in the data, they're they're inching back up, and and they're kind of lock and step with with how we're seeing occupancy come up. Now, obviously, occupancy is still uh, weakened. I mean, we didn't get into I know we don't have time. We didn't get into some of the um, some of the actual uh, locations wise, but like you know, we have seen, and, and James will be able to speak to it. We've seen res- resort areas. We've seen some of these kind of uh, the select service extended stay segment do. Right. I mean, places like Key West, for general, the Key West, per se, has been higher. They've done better in 2021 than they did in, in, in 2019. So we're seeing that some pockets have done extremely well during this pandemic. Others, you know, Washington, D.C., where I sit, have done, you know, let's not sure, could have done horribly. It's been such a difficult operating environment. Um, but yeah, from, from a cost standpoint, I, we're seeing those costs, uh, you know, sneak back out. And that's the worry, I think, is we always talk about. Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be, a lot of hotel owners always talked about uh, brand creep, and amenities creep, and how the brands, you know, uh, pushing kind of uh, brand standards down their throats sometimes. But we are seeing a little bit from a creep standpoint, the cost creep coming back into the uh, into the P&L statement. And I think it's incumbent upon hoteliers. You know, these costs will – I think it's a good thing. If expenses do come back, that means I think the hotel general industry in general is doing better, right? They have to come back at some point. But it's making sure to keep – as before, to keep really a kind of vigilant eye on all these expenses to make sure that they aren't ballooning in the ways they were maybe in the past. Well, thank you, David. Thank you for that. Please stay with us. We'll have you back in a moment. But uh, at this point, I'd like to bring up James. Uh, James, thanks for taking the time to join us. Of course. Thank you, Abed, and thank you, Sam, for having me. Well, you have a wonderful portfolio of some gorgeous resorts, uh, branded, independent. Uh, You have a a better presence in urban locations and a lot of resorts. Tell us what the recovery has been for you in your portfolio. Sure. Uh, I think, you know, like like David said, I think across you know, across the nation, we're looking at about 70% recovery to 2019. Uh, in our portfolio for 2019, we're actually back to about 100%. And that's largely driven by our, and, and I've been practicing this while David was talking, but that's largely driven by our leisure guests. Um, <laughs> that, that, that leisure component to our business has been a significant component uh, for a, a very long period of time. It was something that we focused on uh, prior to leisure travel even really being talked about the way it's talked about now. So we're fortunate that we have seen recovery uh, back to 2019 levels across the portfolio. But I will say that in the portfolio, we're seeing variations from anywhere to 80% of 2019 levels to 140% of 2019 levels. Um, I would tell you that as we kind of map out what we believe 2022 to look like, we're hitting about 120% of 2019 levels as well. And that's largely driven by leisure. Um, but that 120% only comes back if the group demand comes back and if business travel starts to come back as well. So, James, you, you slipped up and you said leisure. So <laughs> <laughs> just, I just it, wanted to I point that out. <laughs> I had it written down so I didn't mess it up, but I guess I, I lost it. Yeah. I, 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 Look, while we have discussed a great deal um, about the labor, and and, uh, David had pointed out some of the trends, but before we get there, any any changes you're seeing relative to 
customer expectations or customer demands uh, that that are different uh, than what pre-pandemic might have been. Now, some of the simple stuff we've talked about, whether housekeeping needs to be daily service or not, and a lot of people are, are at this point are saying, stay out of my room uh, uh, for safety reasons or whatever else the case might be. But have you seen anything else that is uh, sort of uh, uh, entrenched in how we operating our hotels today. Yes, uh, one thing that is certainly here, and I'm not sure how long it will be here for. I think we may move back towards kind of quote unquote normal or pre-pandemic normal, but the value proposition for the customer has changed. They're valuing the ability to travel in and of itself as opposed to valuing the individual things that are taking place while they're traveling. And so what that has done is it's created space for a hotel operator to be able to provide a clean room, a safe environment, um, and, you know, and the ability for that customer to travel. But that in and of itself historically was not necessarily considered part of the value proposition. That was just table stakes. And I think that that's starting to be valued more. Um, another trend that we're seeing is that there is a, um, a desire at this moment in time to be independent in your travel. So whether that means that you can walk across the front drive and pass the front desk and directly to your room through mobile check-in, or whether that means you're sitting by the pool and can hit a QR code and have a margarita get delivered to you and close out the check all on your mobile device. I think that some of those things are probably here to stay and the customer will ultimately decide uh, how much they want to utilize that type of, that type of option. So it, that's a great segue, James. Uh, it, it, how much of uh, going forward, how much of what we do is influenced by technological in advancements? Uh, you talked about this this uh, platform where you can order online and pay without having to uh, absolutely be interacting with a staff member. Are there other examples that are becoming must-have, uh, not only from guest service point of view, but also from cost containment perspective? Yeah, you know, look, technology has always been around that could do what I just described, right? That's been here for the last really five years and almost a decade in some cases. I think the adoption rate is what has changed. I think that people are willing to now start to pick these things up because of other factors, such as fear, such as a desire to, to travel more efficiently. Um, and I think those factors are what are pushing customers towards what I just described. I do think that there are other technological advances that will come up in the relatively near future. I, I think you're seeing some you know, flashy cover stories around robotics and how that can start to influence the hotels. I've seen them in hotels and, and right now it's more of a talking piece and a point of interest and less so a, um, is something that you're gonna rely on from a cost control standpoint, but I can see that changing out into the near future. I also think that there's certain technologies, particularly around um, environmental controls and kind of reducing your carbon footprint that are going to come to the forefront. I think that building management systems of old are starting to transition and you're seeing some capital dollars get put into, you know, HVAC and chillers and, and BMS building management systems in order to have a more efficient building. And that will ultimately help draw down your utility costs as well. There's also technological advances with uh, water control. And I think that will be a focus as well. Fabulous. One last question before I hand it over to uh, Sam at this particular point. James, uh, talk a little bit about the, the labor challenges. I know uh, there is an acute shortage of availability of skilled labor. Um, how have you been dealing with it? And, and same thing that I was talking to David about, uh, wage increases versus productivity gains. Net net, have you seen any any major benefit drawback? Can you shed some light on that? And what have you been able to do to attract the talent and and make sure that they're able to deliver the services? Yeah, it's it's a very important topic right now, and you know the past two years has been probably the toughest on anybody that has worked on the ground in the hotels. And having done so, I I empathize. Um, with those that are in the operation 
at this moment and and over the past, like I said, eighteen months to two years, you know, it is it's always challenging to leave a job, and I think we've seen uh, a significant amount of people uh, depart from the industry, and that's that's saddening. Uh, but at the same time, I think it opens up the door for a new type of uh, employment experience in the hospitality industry, and so. What we're having our properties really focus on, and we're partnering with the brands and the operators to make sure that we're doing this as efficiently as possible. But we want our properties to be the employer of choice in any market that they're in. So table stakes for that means that we are paying market level wages, right? That that's that's what everybody should be doing. But after that, it's about how do you attract the talent into the building? How do you retain that talent once you have attracted it into the building? And then ultimately, how do you make sure that somebody has an enjoyable, a fulfilling, um, and and hopefully, you know, long career in hospitality? And that's that's where we're focused. I'll, I'll give you an example of how we're trying to do something that's a little bit unique in the industry. Uh, we're we're instilling retention bonuses at one of our properties, and so oftentimes when you know, somebody in the industry talks about bonuses, they're talking about executive pay, they're talking about corporate pay. At times, they're talking about middle management bonuses. Um, but what we're talking about is true retention bonuses for everybody from the person that's washing your dishes to the person that's making your bed. And that's, um, that's something that we believe is going to be very powerful. And it's not just a, a, a pure, you know, here's a dollar if you stay longer than, than what we thought you were going to stay. It's tied to actual metrics that um, really help productivity, improve profitability, and improve overall guest experience. And so there are certain thresholds that have to be met from a profit standpoint, from a guest experience standpoint. Once those profits are met, then that, but that retention bonus increases. And so what we're finding is that the initial feedback from the staff is, is, is incredible. They understand the metrics. They are excited about them. Uh, and they see kind of the the light at the end of the tunnel. And so being creative and how you're able to retain the talent that you already have is really important. In any one of these markets, there are enough ladies and gentlemen that can fill one hotel, right? They may not be able to fill 25 hotels in the market, but if you become the employer of choice in that market, your difficulty around attracting and retaining talent starts to starts to fade. Well, fabulous, and kudos to you and, and your organization for putting this this uh, bonus scheme in that takes into account all staff at a hotel. Typically, honestly, it's been executive level teams, and even at that, most of the time, the, the goal has always been not to have to pay out the bonuses rather than the other way around. I, 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 a lot of times, these bonuses have become a demotivator rather than a, a, a point where you can get people aligned and focused on one thing. Thanks for sharing that, James. Let me turn it over to Sam and I'll be back with you in a moment. Sam. Yes, uh, thank you, Abid. And James, thank you very much for, jo for being part of this discussion. Uh, before I ask you my question, I just want to give uh, ask our viewers any questions or any comments that you have, please write them down in the comments and we will make sure that uh, we are, we are screening, uh, showing them to our our uh, panelists or our guests. But my question, I want to move over to about asset management because we have also many uh, university students who are studying and they are entering into a career. Uh, what, has, what is the day of asset manager these days uh, when you, you are looking at uh, managing such large assets like you are? Just giving a sort of a down-to-earth, uh, uh, looking at the screens every day or is it meeting um, hotel operators on the, monthly or quarterly basis to the sparring sessions? What is it all about? Uh, James, only the good parts. <laughs> only the good parts. Good. Well, first, I, I start my day by picking up the phone and calling David because I agree with him that it starts with the data, right? We're very, very focused on the data. Uh, I would tell you that a day in the life at this moment in time, I mean, we're sitting in December, so we all know what we're negotiating right now, right? We're all trying to figure out what 2022 budgets are going to look like. Um, but kind of peeling back there um, and kind of going a little bit more back in time, you know, my team uh, started traveling in June of 2020. And so I'm a firm believer in setting up a cadence on property. That's how it was set up for me when I was on property. And I believe that that cadence is critical. And, you know, as an asset management um, profession, 
once we started to ask our executives to go back to work and be in those hotels, I felt that it was important that our team got back on the road as well and was able to meet those executives on their properties to make sure that we were being as supportive as possible. Yeah, I was brought up in the industry very much in the form of servant leadership, and, and I still believe in that very strongly today. So yes, we are having monthly meetings on property. We talk to our general managers probably uh, in, in most cases daily, uh, in some cases multiple times a day, depending on what's taking place. Uh, we we want to be there to support them and make sure that they have all the tools at their disposal to be as successful as possible. You know, when we go through a period of disruption like this and similar during the, the financial crisis, there's a moment in time for you to start to steal market share. And we have certainly deployed a strategy against that and we're, we're acting on that. But you can't just talk about it. You can't just have a Zoom about it. You have to be actively involved with the revenue management profession, with the general manager, with the rooms executive, and everybody has to be on the same board. And, and at times, it, it takes looking someone in the eyes to know that everyone is aligned. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, I'm, uh, there are... It has been always a, a, an issue about what what does actually does the asset manager do, and I, I think you are describing it very well. And and that means really that uh, uh, meeting the people who are running the hotels on on your behalf, which makes a it makes a huge huge difference. I think uh, criticism about hotels has been that uh, people are nowadays consumers are uh, really expecting that uh, hotels and other consumer industry should be like an app which are updated, you know, these apps are, if you have an iPhone or, or Android, your app is being updated every week. You're getting something new, which is more, more improved. Uh, but how do you see the hotel industry? Do you see that uh, something better that the hotel industry can do now or to, to be like an, almost like an app that there's always something new, innovative coming up? And is that question being raised by hotel property? What was the last, time, last thing you innovated? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I haven't heard hotels compared to an app before, but I, I understand kind of what you're what you're saying. And I'll I'll kind of zero in on a criticism in hotels that is as old as time, right? The, the restaurants within a hotel are hotel restaurants, therefore they're uninteresting and and they have you know they're 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 a necessary they're they're a need. They're not necessarily something that you desire. So. Um, if you go to any main street or any downtown area and you have an independent restaurant, that restaurant is getting updated every three to five years, whether it's an FF and E package, whether it's a concept change, whether they go out of business and somebody else comes in. You know, I think that that is something that we can certainly improve upon. Uh, we have multiple hotels that have popped up different concepts within their, within their properties over the past few years. Some of that was out of necessity, right? I think dining outside became something that everybody really needed to be able to do. And so if you can provide that flexibility for your customer, you become more attractive than the hotel down the street. And so I do think that there's an age of innovation coming through the hotels. I, I use the restaurants as an example, but I also think that there are public spaces that sit dormant that can be monetized in one way or another, whether that's through a membership program, whether that's through um, kind of just reusing the space and finding the highest and best use. Um, but every time we either make an acquisition or, you know, are looking at um, buying a hotel, I'll walk through the hotel with our team, both the investments and the asset management team. And we'll find places that have been underutilized for decades at times. And, and we, uh, we try to find value where others have seemed to have um, ignored it for a period of time. Yeah, thank you. That's terrific. Uh, Amit, any final questions you have? Uh yeah, one more question before we bring David back into the conversation. Uh, James, how are these conversations relative to brand standard, cost containment, revenue generation, how are these conversations different today than they might have been pre-pandemic time? That's a great question, Abed. I, I think it goes back to some of the GOP conversation that we were having with David. And I think that, you know, we set new high watermarks from a profitability standpoint during this pandemic. And so we now have the ability to look at where GOP was pre-pandemic, where we were able to get to GOP, uh, oftentimes due to unnatural forces around labor, and, and then trying to figure out what is the right spot for us to now calibrate to. And I think once we're able to do that, ultimately the hospitality industry could become more profitable than it was 
pre-pandemic. The beauty of our industry is that we have the ability to reset rents on a nightly basis, and we have the ability to change menu pricing on a, on a nightly, weekly, monthly basis, if that's what we choose to do. And I think the recalibration of pricing associated with the increased you know, cost pressures is important. And I think that there are some people that are surgical about being able to do that. And then there are other people that just take broad sweeps across, you know, across revenue or, or uh, room rates. Um, and we, we plan on being the, the group that is more surgical than others. And hopefully we can, you know, achieve more market share because of that. Fabulous. Well, Sam, let's, let's bring David back into the conversation. But James, a question for you with, with the uh, 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 wealth of data that is available to us, I hope that people are more, uh, focused in more surgical using your terminology as opposed to one size fits all mentality that might or might not work. Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, any best practices that you can share where, uh, you know, it wasn't all that long ago, to be honest, that this data was not available to us. Uh, and now that we have gotten this information, is it being better utilized? Are we making smarter decisions today? Any thoughts, uh, James? Yes, uh, gr great question. It, from a best practices standpoint, what we try to do is we will pull from our proprietary database where we have over a thousand hotels and try to understand in any given market, what is an optimal profit margin, right? And we'll line up seven hotels in some cases across, you know, across that market and be able to say out of all of the different components to that P&L, this is what we think is the right number that our property should be performing at. What we then do, and this may get into the best practices part, is we sit down with the director of finance, the director of sales and marketing, the general manager, and we share this data with them. And we help them understand why we have the expectations that we have. And a pretty magical thing happens where that executive team ultimately wants to win as well. So once they realize what the scoreboard is, they're trying to put up better better numbers than the next property. And that's been a very powerful uh, strategy that, that we've been employing for the last five years. Superb, superb. Hey, David, a question for you. Benchmarking is the best thing since sliced bread, I think, anyhow, because you're far more knowledgeable. Having said that, it does have a, a bit of a negative to it because it can be raced to the bottom. Your thoughts? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I appreciate the plug. And um, yeah, obviously, uh, I, I, I don't know if so, so much a race to the bottom. I think that there's no, there's no kind of um, the data that, that's available. I look at it like, you know, uh, uh, data is the new kind of, big data is the kind of new oil, so to speak. I wrote about that before, kind of the, the the understanding of it. I think, I think there's an education behind data, right? Like it's, it's, it's okay. Here's the data, but to James's point, what do you do with the data? Um, I think it takes a holistic approach. It's, it's, it's obviously, it's not just one person siloed. It's a team approach. It's a, it's a total buy-in. Um, but I think if the data is available, I think that owners particularly, because you know, our focus, our ethos has always been on profitability. And that's for the, you know, for really a focus on the owners. And I think that they have the tools available now to kind of, like I said, mentioned before, not so much use it as kind of a, a, a whipping tool. Thanks for joining us this week on the Hospitality Talks podcast. If you found value in this show, we appreciate a rating. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that will help us too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.